Welcome, everybody, to the Section 5 podcast. I'm here with Mark and Trey. We're going to discuss some season recaps of the team, the players. Looking forward to the offseason, kind of give give a couple of hot takes to see, see what's going on through our minds as far as what the Celtics could possibly do that may be a little surprising, but um, that we feel has a chance to happen. So, Mark, Trey... It's been a, it's been about a week since the Celtics have been eliminated from the, eliminated from the playoffs. How are you guys holding up? I'm fine. Like you know, I wasn't a believer in this team. I told you last time I was on the pod, which was two pods ago, because I missed the last one. I felt relieved when it was over. I still feel the same way. Your second job is over. The, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like this team isn't like ruining three nights a week anymore because I sit down there, spent three you know three hours or so watching them play basketball and watching them not give a shit. Like I'm glad that it's just finally over. And uh, I give that the asterisk of like the playoffs were enjoyable and they played hard in the playoffs and um, those games, even though they lost, like it was fun to watch them try to take down Goliath. And after the last couple of games in the second round, my God, is that a Goliath? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Needless to say, I'm more excited about the off season uh, than I am about, the season that we just had. Um, so I'm glad that it's come to an end. Um, it was a COVID season again, um, bunch of injuries, um, a roster that left a lot to be desired. We'll get into that. Um, but yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad that it's come to an end. Yeah. So, you know, I'm sure as you guys have heard during the year, like I was an optimistic green teamer the whole season was just waiting on the health to happen and just the health, the health never showed up for this team. So I am kind of glad that, you know, we have now a longer off season because, you know, I know the effects of COVID had not only effect on us, but, you know, teams that made, that went the deepest last year, like Miami, Lakers, us, like none of the teams even made it past the first round. All gone. I think that's, you know, the bubble had a little bit of effect on players because of how long they played till we had a short off season. Then we had a condensed schedule, you know, it just didn't work out for us this year. Um, and like Trey said, I'm, I'm excited for the off season. And like Mark said, it, it, it did get a little laborious towards the end of the season, watching this team just, you know, look like they, they weren't given the, the proper effort um, for entire games, but season's over. But let's look back to see how some of these players did and get a get a, you know a little grade on how they did for the season. I'm gonna start off with the All NBA talent that is on the Celtics, and that's Jason Tatum. Um, he's not 19 anymore. He's he's can proven, that joke go away forever? Please? I hope so. <laughs> I hope so because I'm I'm he's a grown man. He's a grown man right now at 22, and he seems like he got the league. He's he's one of the the talents that got the league in the palm of his hand going forward. Um, he had, a, you know, another career year after last year's All NBA performance. He had 26 points a game, seven boards, four assists, shot 46, 39, 87 splits. I mean, I feel like he had about a. I was expecting a lot from Tatum this year, and the only thing that I'm kind of harping on for his regular season was how little or for a player, it seems like how little he got to the free throw line during the regular season. Um, He only averaged a little over five free throw attempts a game. And 
you know, a player of his, who I feel like his stature is now, like next year, that should be eight, nine, 10, you know, for an average for the season. So um, while I was expecting more of that jump this year, I I'm definitely want to see it next year. So that's why I gave him a B plus. And obviously his, his playoff performance is just, was amazing. He, he carried the team and he was the only, you know, consistent offensive option that we had. Um, and he did get to the line about 10 times a game during the playoffs, which is something that I want to see when, you know, Jason, um, Jalen Brown's on the court with him, um, which I think could bring both their games to a different level. And I gave him an A for the playoffs. Um, Trey, what do you think of Tatum this year? I'm sure you're not going to, I'm sure you're not going to be too hard on this grade. Yeah, I give him, I give him an A for effort. Um, he had he missed some games because of COVID. Couldn't control that. Um, but just overall, the entire season, he, you know, he he looked to get to his spots. He, he was aggressive to get to the line. Um, you know, just made improvements on being consistent. Um, really liked what I saw in the playoffs. I think if he takes what he did in the playoffs and carries that into next season, we're looking at maybe a top 10 player. Um, and we're looking at superstar Tatum. So hopefully he carries that momentum from the playoffs into next year's regular season. Uh, but I gave him an A. Um, kind of want to go with the A minus, actually. I'll give him an A minus because there's room for improvement going forward. Hopefully next year he can get an A or an A plus. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to disagree with any of what you two both said about Tatum. Um, I want to preface like all of my grades with saying like, I'm just going to do one grade because you know, there's, you guys both know there's one thing that I hate in sports and it's small sample sizes. And that's what the playoffs are. So um, that's rolled into their overall performance, at least in my mind, when I went through these players and, uh, and thought of, you know, what to say about them and what to grade them. Um, I gave Tatum an A minus. He took that next step. He's 22 years old. You can assume that at 23, he's going to get even better. Um, Guys don't peak at 22. So we saw a little bit of that in the playoffs when he was getting to the line more. Uh, Adam, you did notice that he isn't getting to the line as much as you would like. And that's certainly fair, but at the same time, like he led the team in free throw attempts as well, or free throw attempts per game. So um, he, he is getting to the line a little bit um, or more, a little more than a little bit. And that could also change with the new coach too, is uh, they change up their style of play a little bit, which is inevitably coming with any coach that you bring in. And uh, that might get him on the line a little bit more as well. So um, a minus he's right on schedule. He's getting better every year. He took that leap to stardom. You know, he was an all-star again, uh, but there's room for him to grow and develop there. Um, you know, he's, he's not maxed out. He's not at the peak of his potential yet. So uh, A minus with room to grow. Yeah, that sounds good. I mean, it's not a bad grade for Tatum at all. 22 years old. Um, he's, you know, we, during the season, I feel like him and Jalen were kind of like one and one A going back and forth during the season. But, you know, with, with Brown missing the playoffs, Tatum just, you know, took advantage of that on his, you know, on a personal level for himself and kind of just elevated his game to another level. And, you know, going from Tatum, we're going to talk about a little bit about Jalen Brown as well. Um, he had a career year, 25 points, six boards a game, three and a half assists, 48 and 40 splits from the from the field and three point line. You know, he was at times 
you know, during stretches during the season, especially when, when Tatum was recovering from COVID, Brown stepped up and was legitimately playing like the best player on the court at a lot of the times during the season. And it was so disappointing that he got hurt toward the end that he couldn't take part in the playoff run with, with Tatum. But, you know, I give Jalen a B plus for the season. Um, again, you know, I'm disappointed in the free to get into the line. Only got to the line 4.3 times a game. Um, he's, we know he could get by his man. Like he's quick enough to get by his man the majority of the time. So I think for him to take that next leap is to just start taking it strong to the hole, using his, you know, frame. He's not a skinny dude. He's a pretty built guy. So um, B plus for Brown this year with, you know, hoping that he could get up to that A minus A next year. Um, we went with Trey first last time, Mark. What do you think about Brown this year? So when I was thinking about my grades, I was thinking I'm kind, I kind of graded on a curve, I guess you can say. Um, mm-hmm. I'm grading based on what my expectations were coming in. Mm-hmm. And if you're looking at the expectations coming in, Jalen gets an A because he averaged 24-7. I didn't expect him to be right around 25 points a game. I expected him to be better than he was, you know, last year. I expected him to keep, you know, keep growing because he's he's a young guy. He's 24, but to take that step as as much as he did and become you know, a bona fide all star in this league and be scoring 25 points a game. Like when you say 25 points a game, like that's elite company. Like yep. there aren't too many guys who you know, weren't all-star level players who weren't excellent players who scored 25 points a game really at any point. So uh, he just made strides across the board in his game and he improved his free throw shooting, which at times had been an issue for him. Uh, Mm -hmm. He shot really well from three. He was damn near 40% from three. Uh, He was just, he was an efficient player all around. And there were times when, you know, the team's effort seemed inconsistent and, Jalen seemed like he was never that guy. Jalen was always a guy out there, like trying to put the team on his back when, you know, if Tatum was missing games or if Tatum was just off because Tatum's had some games where he just disappeared or at least halves where he disappeared mm-hmm. and uh, Jalen picked the team up. So um, I think he was the best player on the team for a good stretch of the season, especially early on. So uh, it's hard to give a guy, you know, a lower grade just because maybe he's not as good when, the expectation was him to be the number, the clear number two. And there were times where he was number one. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you on that. Um, Trey, what do you think about Jalen? Yeah, I gave Jalen also a an A minus. I'm a tough grader. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, I thought he had a really solid year. Um, at times, it you know reports was out that he was dealing with knee knee issues. Um, and he still played through it. Um, he never really sat much because of those knee issues. Um, so I applaud him for that. Um, you know, coming in and averaging like over 25 a game, like that, like 25 a game is like more than um, a lot of people expected. Um, I always knew Jalen would be an all star. And I've always said that he's one of our most consistent players within his role. So even when Jalen was coming off the bench, he was consistent doing that. Um, and when he's inserted into the starting lineup, he can give you consistency there. Just how he gets his points. Um, <clears throat> he gets his points in transition. Um, and just 
he has more go-to moves, more more isolation moves. Um, just seeing him handle the ball better than he did coming into the league, and now how he gets the defender on his hip, uh, gets into the lane, and um, gets a mid-range shot. I, I really like to begin the year how he was using his mid-range. Yeah. Kind of went away from it, but hopefully he goes back to it. Yeah, the part that I'm excited about is that, you know, Jalen is about, you know, two, three years away from his prime. Tatum is about four or five years away from his prime. And these guys are already all-star. You know, Jalen's close to an all-NBA talent. And, you know, I think the Celtics got an exciting future ahead of them with those two. Um, moving on, we'll go into the probably the what was viewed as could have been the perfect third option, which turned out to not be. Perfect third option. That's Kemba Walker. Um, so I'm gonna let I'm gonna let Trey start off just talking about Kemba and how he feels he did this season. Well, this this one is kind of tough for me. Um, you know, Kemba was was out. He missed quite a few games because he had to set out back to backs. Um, so that's been one strike against him. Um, I mean, even if you don't hold that against him, the games that he played in, some some he provided you with like 20 points. Others were like underwhelming games. Um, he had a stretch towards the end of the regular season where he kind of looked like he was coming into his own. He was going to be able to help us going into the postseason. And, <clears throat> you know, unfortunately, he's dealing with the bone bruise. Um you know, hopefully we can get more clarity on if there's more to that issue, that knee issue. Um, but, you know, that just sucks. Wasn't that great of a season for Kemba. Uh, left a lot to be desired. I'm going to have to give him, <clears throat> I want to give him a C, but I feel like that's being generous. Um, so like, a, maybe like a C minus. Like if, if we're if we're being technical here, we're talking like a seventy six versus like a seventy four, and I'm giving Kemba the seventy four. Yeah, I mean, with before looking at Kemba's numbers this year, in my head, you know, I'm taking into account he didn't play the back to backs, and when he did play in games, he wasn't playing the full complement of minutes until like you know a couple of weeks into when he when he finally came back to the team. Um. And just looking at his numbers, they just they were just so underwhelming. Like, you know, he did have, and even with that great stretch he had, kind of like the last month of the season, he had a he had a pretty damn good month. And he wasn't back to Charlotte Kemba, but he was looking like you know a consistent, you know, second option for us at the time. But then it's like once the playoffs hit, you know, the bone even before the bone bruise, he didn't really have two that great performances. Um, so I just feel like this year was a complete disappointment for Kemba. Um, hoping that if he does come back next year, that, you know, he could use this time off and, you know, get his knee right. However he can, if it's not, you know, something permanent, but I was going to give Kemba a C plus for the season. I'm dropping it down to a D plus and I'm giving him an F for the playoffs because we, for, for $38 million, Sorry to bring the contract up, but it is what it is. We need more than that. So, Mark. Yeah, 
I gave Kemba a D minus. And the only thing that kept him from failing was that last month of the season when he played really well. Mm. Um, we've said it before, whether it's been recorded or not, we've said it on these zooms, your best ability is availability. He didn't play back to backs. There were big games where they needed him and he didn't play. And then the playoffs came around and we thought that he was going to hit a stride because he played great over the last three weeks or four weeks or however long that was. And then he got a bruise and he quit. So uh, you can't tap out on your team in the playoffs with a minor injury and expect to get you know, any kind of respectable grade. Like he was a D minus this year and he's damn lucky to have that. Yeah. I mean, are you, are you sure it wasn't his smile that bumped him up? <laughs> Maybe he's of... got a heck of a smile. Yeah. I mean, you know, you can't fault. Kemba seems like a great teammate. I mean, he's positive influence in the locker room. You don't, I don't, I don't want to say anything bad about, you know, Kemba's locker room presence or his presence in practice and getting guys, you know, in a positive mindset to not only, you know, be on the court, but it also like, you know, seeing how he deals with the media and that he doesn't really, he doesn't throw anyone under the bus. You know, he takes all accountability when, you know, clearly he was the third option on the team and, and, and during bad games, he would be the one facing the music every night at the end of the game, um, regardless if, you know, Brown and Tatum had bad games, he would still be the one that's, you know, taking the blame. So I did, I did give Kemba kudos on the leadership part, but, you know, leadership doesn't win, doesn't win playoff series. So um, we definitely needed more from Kemba in that sense. So now we go to like the arguably the heart and soul people call of the team is Marcus Smart going into the last year of his deal. He pretty much did the same thing he's been doing the last couple of years, averaging the mid-teens, about four boards a game, about six assists a game, one and a half steals, shooting at 40%, 33% splits. Um, Bringing, do we, I don't really feel like he had as consistent good defense this year as he's had the last couple of years. I think he took a, he didn't really get better. You know, he kind of stayed the same and you also notice him getting beat a lot more, I think, than than in previous years. And then also the injury, just him being out for, uh, you know, a period of time. It's yeah, going to take away as well. Yeah, when he got injured against the Lakers, um, it seemed like it was a season. It could have been a season ender. Uh, he only missed a couple of weeks for the, with the calf strain. So I don't really, I don't know. If he wasn't healthy, I don't think he would have been out there. So I don't want to really take too much stock in that injury. But, you know, I gave Smart a B- minus for the season. Um, he was kind of, con you know, we knew you, if you don't think if you're not going to, if you don't think you're going to get inconsistent games from Marcus smart, then I don't know what play you've been watching for about seven years. So I feel like he gave us exactly what we were going to, we were going to get from him. So that kind of gives my grade. I just wish that we needed him a little more in the playoffs. He started out shooting really well against Washington and against Brooklyn, but then he kind of was one of the reasons to shoot us out of the games in some of the games that we lost where we needed, where we had open shots to hit and he was just bricking them. So B minus for the season, C for the playoffs. Mark, what you think about smart? So I have to be consistent with my grading and grade based on expectations. And in our, one of our preseason shows, when I said I wasn't as high on the Celtics as the rest of you guys were, one of the big reasons is because I said, and I quote, Marcus Smart will shoot you out of a game. Hmm. And he did that a lot this year. But I kind of 
expected it. So mm-hmm. I can't <laughs> knock him down to like a D minus for that because like, like you said, if I wasn't expecting that, I haven't been watching him for the last seven years. Yeah. Um, his defense wasn't as good. His defense wasn't bad by any means. It was right. still, you know, top tier of the league, but he wasn't defensive player of the year type of guy. And no. that's what he has been in the past. Like you were right. He, you know, there were times when he was getting beat. A lot of that could be because just the team defense as a whole wasn't good. So he had right. no help. And like there were, you know, you can get by one great defender when the other guys aren't playing well. But, right. um, you know, that being said, Smart wasn't the complete lockdown guy that he has been in the past. Um, combine that with, him having you know, an expanded role uh, on offense because of injuries and because of Gordon Hayward being gone and them not having him replaced for a good chunk of the season. Um, his offensive game didn't improve and yeah. that's an issue as well. So like he wasn't a disaster. He was mostly what we expected, but his defense wasn't as strong. Um, so you know, C minus I think is fair for him. And uh, you know, same for the playoffs. Like, like I said, I'm not going to grade based on the playoffs yeah. because it's a small sample size, but we got the whole market smart experience in that small sample size. Like he was great. Yep. The first couple of games, he was knocking down all his shots. He looked like you know, a legitimate threat out there. And then later in that series, he couldn't hit anything and he still kept on shooting. Like, yep. again, we got seven years of sample on this. Like that's <laughs> what he does. So. Yeah. Um, Trey, what you think about smart? Yeah. I gave smart a, a B um, coming into the year. If you look at the way the roster was constructed, you can't really blame him for the type of role he had to take on. Um, <clears throat> fast forward to the trade deadline, we get Evan Fournier, um, a piece that we were missing um, after losing out on Gordon Hayward. And Marcus Smart, you know, still has his moments where you maybe wish he didn't take that shot. Um, <clears throat> but I feel like it happened a little bit less at times um and then just in the playoffs we're down jalen brown we're always down. we always seem to be down a guy so it's like there's always an excuse so i i give him a b um i thought his defense was solid it wasn't all nba this this year um i don't think he's going to be on the all defensive team but <clears throat> yeah it was a solid year for marcus smart i'll give him a b and hopefully Hopefully he's on the team next year. I mean, he is like the heart and soul of of the team. Um, he only has one year left on his deal, uh, so I guess we'll see what happens this off season. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see what President Brad does with Smart. We'll see how he really how he really feels about him. So we're going on to the to the to our big trade deadline acquisition. A guy that I think that I hope that I really hope that we're able to resign this off season, Evan Fournier. Um, unfortunately, like, like seemed to be that the pattern for this year, once we got Fournier, he got COVID. So he was out about a week, at least a week. Um, and then had a, you know, obviously COVID was a serious situation for some, some people that got it. And, you know, he, he admitted it was tough for him to get back into, to get, yeah, to get back in speed as well as just like Tatum did have difficulties. But, you know, I think he's a perfect third, fourth option for our team. Just the guy that, you know, he can make a contested shot. He could, you know, enter the shot clock. He could create his own shot. He could get to the hoop. I mean, he's a decent defender. And he showed that not only during his time during the season, but also during the playoffs. And for a guy that shot at 
a 46% clip from three in the, in the season and 43% in the playoffs. Um, I want to, I want to shoot her like that on our team, whether he's going to be starting or coming off the bench, we need a guy like Evan Fournier that could get buckets and be a swing man that could play some defense. So, you know, he had limited time with the C's. He only played 16 games during the season for us, obviously only what uh, sixth in the playoffs, if you count in the, the Washington game. So, I gave him a B for what he did. He gave us, you know, like Mark, like kind of Mark's theme. I'm going by expectations with him. And I expected him to just be a knockdown shooter and to be able to create his own shot. And you know, that's that's the kind of guy that I saw. Um, Trey, what'd you think of uh, Mr. Don't Google? Uh, so I gave him a B plus. Um, I thought that he came right in, even though he went 0 for 10 uh, shooting. <laughs> His first few games with the Celtics, he quickly turned it on, um, and he—I feel like he can be counted on to make tough shots, um, you know, to get you a bucket, um, so that you know you continue to score. And that I, I just felt like that he was really good at getting into the lane, making passes, <clears throat> and getting shots for other for other teammates. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, time he touched the ball, it seemed like he did something good with it. Yeah, the thing with Fournier is that he he's another one of those guys that, you know, he was kind of like a Hayward light out there where he's not going to get you the 25 and five that, you know, a healthy Gordon Hayward could get you. But, you know, he'll get he, he knows he has a pretty high IQ. He knows what to do with the basketball and he doesn't get the deer in the headlights when he takes it to the hoop. Um, so, Mark, how do you like Fournier this year for us? Yeah, I was really happy with what we saw. Um, I gave him a solid B. And, you know, it could have been higher if he was able to play more again. Not his fault, but, yeah, you know, you, you can't give someone an A when they play 16 games. Like, right. Uh, right. Especially when they were brought in to help catapult the team and get them out of the play-in. And- well, you, you kind of can if they, if they played like an A during their 16 games. Okay. Yeah, if he was off, if he was dropping over twenty, what, games, whatever the sample size is. Yeah. All right. Fine. If he was going twenty-five points a game and <laughs> you know eight boards and seven assists, like fine. Okay. Um, but anyway, uh, B, and there's really nothing more that he could have done aside from from play more. And again, not his fault. Um, I loved what I saw from him. He was like you said, Hayward Light, but. Hayward on the Celtics is also Hayward light. Correct. Yeah. So he could slot into that, you know, third or fourth spot and he can look almost exactly like Gordon Hayward did here when Hayward was healthy and playing really well. They're very similar players with the exception of like Hayward's certainly a better player, but they're a similar size, similar skill set, um, mm. do a lot of the same things. So, I would love for them to keep them. We'll see if they're able to. All it takes is one stupid team to pay way too much, and uh, and he's yep. gone. But we saw that with Evan Turner, um, a really stupid team. But yeah, I like I like what I saw, and he was good uh, good again in the playoffs. So yeah, solid B from Fournier. Yeah, I hope to again like I'm gonna echo that. I hope to see him back on the team next year. Um, so going from Fournier to the Time Lord, Robert. Williams um I was actually surprised to see that he played 52 games this year I did not I it just felt like he missed way more games than that um 
when he's on the court, he's he's a pretty damn good player for us. You know, he he gives us a dimension that we don't have that that shot blocker, that legit shot blocker around the rim, and that rim runner, you know, off the pick and rolls. And you know, he's a guy that if he's if he's if he's rolling on the pick and roll, you just gotta throw it up. He's either gonna get it or get to the line. And he's a he's a pretty good passer as well. Like I don't think he's he gets as much credit as he should with with his ability to move to move the ball when you know he seems like he knows exactly what to do with it when he gets it, which is great. But again, it's like availability is your biggest ability. And just like the theme this year, right after he had his breakout game in the playoffs against Brooklyn, where he damn near had a triple double with next blocks. game with blocks. The next the next game he only lasts five minutes and he's out for the rest of the series. So it's going to be an interesting decision on what we're going to do with Williams when he's going to be extension eligible for the first time this summer. But I give him about a C, C plus for the year. Um, I just wanted more. Like, I wanted to see more from him. And unfortunately, that was lacking. Um, Trey, what do you think about Bob Williams? Yeah, as much as you want to give him like a B, it's just wasn't really plausible for me. I gave him a C plus. Um, looked really good when he was out there. Um, explosive as always. Knows how to set the pick and roll, which is important for like a big like him. If you're not going to be able to pick and pop and shoot the three, you need to know when to roll and get to the basket and cut to the basket. So he does a really good job of that. Um, I think he has good chemistry with Marcus Smart, Peyton Pritchard. Um, any guy that's going to initiate the offense, so Jason Tatum at times, um, he looks really good when he plays. It's just that he sat too many games, um, and then you know going into the playoffs, we weren't able to get his help in that Brooklyn series. So I give him a solid C plus, and hopefully he can turn that into a, a B plus or an A next year. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, C plus for me. Oh. You know, a C is average. He was better than average when he played. And he didn't play a ton of minutes when he played. Like he was, he averaged 18.9. And a lot of that was managing some, some injuries as well. So I was surprised, like you were, Adam, that he played 52 games because it felt like he just missed a lot more than that. Mm. But a lot of that was him just playing minimal minutes in some of these games when he was dinged up. When we saw him play and when he was healthy, he was a legitimate threat down low. He was able to do more than just score on the lob. He was able to you know, hit from that kind of mid-range-ish area. Um, you know, had the the baby hook working a little bit. Like he was looking like a, a more well-rounded offensive player than we thought. I mean, far from a complete player on offense, but he looked like he had a little more in the bag than we were expecting from him going into the season. Um, he sh- his field goal percentage was seventy-two percent. So. Um, like that's pretty damn efficient. A lot of that's on dunks and stuff, but um, still like to have anyone who can give you that, like that's just money in the bank. And then on the defensive end, like he's still getting lost at times, but at the same time, he's protecting the rim. Like nobody else on the team really can do. So he gives them some things that nobody else on the team can give them. So I liked what I saw when he played, I just didn't see enough of it. And it's, the track record with this guy now it's been a few years he's been in the league and he's been hurt the whole time and it's been one thing after another after another um you got to start to wonder like is he gonna ever get through this or is he just going to be one of those guys who 
in a full season, like he's only going to play 50 games, no matter what. Like, I think that's probably right now the more realistic look uh, as opposed to saying, well, if he just plays all the games, he'll be great and he'll be an all-star. Like there comes a point where you think, well, that might not be in the cards for him. Yeah. And that's a dangerous game to play, especially when it's a guy that's going to be looking for an extension this summer. I think this summer is going to be huge for Robert Williams, not only just him needing to come into camp, you know, in shape, not saying that he was out of shape, but you know, uh, there's a reason that they're limiting his minutes and thinking that he's going to get hurt. So it's, if it's not about being shaped, it's about getting healthy and coming into camp with, you know, no need for limitations, just, you know, what are you 23, 24 years old? Like you should be in the best shape of your life. So um, I'm, I'm hoping if we have a healthy Bob Williams on this team, you know, that could, that could just be open up a whole lot of options for us on both ends of the court. So we need to see more of you, more out of you, Bob, next year. So going from Bob to one of our rookies this year, Peyton Pritchard, who I think he had the typical rookie season. Just the guy that, you know, some games he was on, some games he was off. Um, he was pretty much, Brad Brad seemed like he wanted to keep him in that backup point guard role for the whole season. There were definitely some opportunities in games where he could have started that we were pretty light at the one and he still was, you know, Brad was still bringing him off the bench. So, you know, I think they would, they had a plan for him and that's, you know, to hopefully develop him into a consistent solid backup point guard, which is good. But I, you know, I saw parts of his game where I feel like he could be more than just, you know, a backup, like the kid could score the ball. I mean, he could shoot his ass off. Um, I think he's a pretty damn good shooter from three and hopefully an off season that he could work on the shot you know, not just be preparing for a draft will give him, you know, put him at a more consistent level for his second season. So I also give him, I give him a C for the year just because just be a pretty, pretty average season for a rookie. And, you know, just like a lot of, I'm, I'm, I'm noticing a trend that we, we, they, a lot of players had a lot to be, they had a lot lacking for us this year and we wanted more of what are these guys. So See for Pritchard from me. Um, Mark, what'd you think about Pritchard? Um, I wanted to go like a little better than a C uh, because the flashes that we saw from him were above the expectations that I had. Mm. So I think a C plus is fair. Mm. Um, he's inconsistent like a rookie is, um, you know, had some flaws in his game as rookies do. Uh, but this is a guy who was a late first round pick and you guys know how I feel about these late round picks. They're crap shooting most of them out, out, out of the league in a couple of years. Mm. So you, you hit on that pick because he's going to be in the league in a few years. 7.7 um, 7 points a game. So it leaves a little bit to be desired, but it's okay. Cause he wasn't shooting a ton, but he looked to shoot the ball really well. He was 41% from three. So you yeah. take that, uh, especially out of a bench guy, because that was something that was really lacking last year. And uh, he's a heck of a free throw shooter, even though he, hardly gets to the line one thing that concerns me about him is his assist number was low yeah you know he's a point guard and he's only at two um he was only at 1.8 assists mm -hmm. so and that's in 19 minutes so that's a concern makes you think like all right maybe he's not a true point guard maybe he's more of an undersized two and that's a little bit of a concern because the celtics are just undersized in a lot of spots <laughs> but even if he is He's an NBA player and 
when you're picking someone, I can't remember what pick it was, but like 26 or whatever it was. Uh, when you're picking someone there, a lot of times you don't get an NBA player. So uh, positive season for him for sure. Yep. Um, the one thing I did that, you know, Pritchard was kind of how he came out of retirement was when Danny made the pick, he said, you know, this is the guy that he's going to make the guys next to him run. And there were a lot of times where, you know, Pritchard would push the ball up the court, but no one was really running with him. So, so, so Danny was, was right about him, but wrong about the rest he, of the guys. Yeah, he didn't. He, the, Pritchard, I don't think he had that voice yet to just, you know, command guys to run with him. So I, I do hope that next year, you know, guys kind of <laughs> run with him a little bit more. Um, Trey, what'd you think about Peyton? So I gave Pritchard a B. Um, I thought that, mm-hmm. like Mark said, the flashes for me were, were really good. Um, I like to see him hitting shots near the logo, playing with that type of confidence. Uh, I do like the idea of keeping him off the bench because I feel like that, you know, that keeps a consistent mindset that your minutes are going to be off the bench no matter what. Um, so sometimes he throw Brad would throw in Tremont Waters or Carson Edwards, uh, allow them to start. <clears throat> um, yeah. But, you know, just... Peyton Pritchard, uh, he has a good ha- handle. Um, he gets to his spots. His dribbling kind of reminds me of like Chris Paul slash like Tony Parker at times. Um, just the way that he just like probes around and just continues to move. Um, but his decision making comes with the shots that he takes. So I'm looking for him to be more aggressive. Like one thing with Chris Paul is Chris Paul's going to choose his spots. And, you know, he's a lead at what he does. He gets to his spots. So you want to see more of that from Peyton Pritchard. I, I just thought it was a really solid rookie year. Um, and he did better than I would have expected any Celtic rookie to have done. <clears throat> you know, can you honestly say you would have thought any of our rookies would have gotten the minutes, number one, and performed well in the minutes? Um, and to average 7.7, I think, you know, it doesn't really tell the story because, you know, there's 16-point games, there's 10-point games, plenty of games where he had 10, and then there was games where he had four. There's games where he scored nothing. So <clears throat> I, I do think that I'd, I'd give him a B for the season. Yeah, and, you know, again, I'm I'm hoping that this offseason is big for Pritchard and that now he's used to the NBA speed, the NBA physicality. He knows him and his trainers know what they're – they need to work on this offseason, you know, obviously getting stronger, getting quicker wouldn't hurt and, you know, just becoming more consistent with the shot. And like Trey said, I want to see him a little more aggressive with the shot as well. Um, now, moving forward to our mid our mid level contract acquisition last year. Tristan Thompson, who. I feel like he gave us kind of another underwhelming season during the regular season. Um, it, you, he, he kind of was at, as advertised at times with the boards, but, you know, I just feel like we needed him to be a little more consistent, um, out there. And he definitely wasn't that during the season. However, I will give him props for stepping up in the playoffs and, you know, coming in and averaging a double, double during that series. So, I mean, he showed up kind of like in a little way, like Al Horford did, like we kind of, he was disappointing kind of in the regular season for. A lot of people, but then he showed up in the playoffs. Um, so I was happy that Tristan showed up in the playoffs. By no means do I, you know, 
consider him unmovable. And if he got dealt in the offseason, I would not be I would not be upset. <laughs> but um, I gave him a C for the season and a, and a B for that playoff series because he did show, you know, he did show some heart out there. He wasn't backing down from anybody. And, you know, for and our game three win, he was a big part of that. Um, so yeah, I was going to say he had like one good game. And that was the game that Tatum went off for like 50, wasn't it? Yeah, he I mean, and he did a lot of things where, you know, he was amping up the crowd. He was he was speaking to the Boston crowd and, you know, couldn't wait for all of them to be back into in the garden, which I mean, that game didn't go too well. But I mean, it was nice to see someone have the enthusiasm of wanting to play here and wanting to play in front of this crowd. So um, disappointing season for him. But I was happy that at least he showed some spirit in the playoffs. Um Trey, what'd you think about Tristan? Yeah, I also gave him a C. I thought it was very average season. Um, sat out a few games here or there. And, you know, I just, he never commanded the starting center role. I always felt it should have been Robert Williams with him backing it up. So I just think that it just goes to show like how average he was. He didn't, he never said, okay, I'm going to come out and give you a double double every night um so <clears throat> i give him a solid c and again the playoffs you know i do think that that stands for something the way he played in that game three um we did appreciate that uh, but still i'm going to give him a c on the season i think that that you know the rest of the season i could argue that he doesn't deserve a c and that the playoffs he he's bumps up back to being you know average yeah, so I mean, it's a it's a mid level player, and you get you get mid level production out of him. So mid level um... <laughs> production, mid level grades. Like I'm with you, Trey. Like he's a C all the way. He's fine. Nothing more. Nothing less. He, I think, he did bump it up a little bit in the playoffs. Uh, he was a lot better uh, in the playoffs. Maybe he is feeding off the crowd because he's a high energy guy, and that was affecting him because he's playing in basically an empty building for most of the season. So um, he didn't hurt them. You would have liked to see more, but he's just, he's just another guy and he gave you that and whatever, we're fine. Yeah. Uh, a Jag is a, is a pretty good description of Tristan Thompson. Yep. Exactly. Um, and so the last guy I kind of wanted to highlight on the year was our highest first round pick of the season. And that's Aaron Naismith, who personally, I was just, before the, before the draft, I think we kind of did what we did last year, and we asked Trey who the best shooter was. And I think he said Nate Smith and, and Bain. I think he did mention Desmond Bain as well. Um, but And I was kinda, I was amped when we got Aaron Nate Smith. You know, from all his highlights showed in Vanderbilt, he was a knockdown shooter. He was pretty good probing screens and getting open off of screens. And he was, you know, he was able to, it seemed like he was able to take the ball to the hoop in college, but you know, it seemed like the game was a little too quick for Nate Smith coming out, coming out the gate. Um, he, he had a pretty long adjustment period and getting used to it and a lot of DNPs in there. Um, I'm sure there was a lot of hard work behind the scenes in practice, not only getting his, his offense up to speed, but, you know, most importantly, his defense, which is going to get him on the court with this team. Um, he did show some improvement second half of the season where Stevens did trust him more. And before, by the time the playoffs started, Stevens did you know mention that there isn't a rotation that he had that didn't have Naismith in it 
Um, so he played himself into the playoff rotation, didn't do too much with it in the playoffs, but, you know, I credit his hard work during the season. Unfortunately, um, you know, I expected more from him as a, as, well, I don't know if he was the 14th, the 13th pick in the draft last year. Um, so I gave him about a C minus D plus for the season. Um, Mark, what'd you think of our highest draft pick? Yeah. So I kind of go back and forth because I was expecting more but the more that I was expecting was really earlier in the season. Mm -hmm. And some of the stuff that I saw from him on the good side was stuff that I wasn't necessarily expecting from him. So he's a really tough one, the to grade. So I think I'm just going to kind of split the difference, call it a C and we'll see what we have next year mm -hmm. because he, uh, he didn't shoot the ball as well as I had hoped he would. Although we didn't shoot the ball poorly either. I mean, he was 37% from three. So he was better than average from three. And for a guy, he, no matter how good your shot is, if you're learning the speed of the game in the NBA as a rookie, like that's, I'm happy with above average three point shooting. Yeah. He was a high energy guy, a much higher energy guy than I expected. Um, he's you know crashing the offensive boards. He's the guy who like always ends up diving for the ball or ends up on the floor when he has to go in against guys who are like much bigger and stronger than him to go and try and fight for the ball. And it was an energy that was missing from this team for a lot of the year. And um, he gave them that um, and either provided the spark or was just the guy out there playing that role and doing that. So um, that was, I think, way above expectations for me, even though his numbers were probably below what I was hoping to see from him because I was hoping he'd be that you know, consistent bench score that they were missing last year. So, you know, average season, saw some good, really excited about him. Hope they keep him. He's not untouchable by any means, but would love to see him get you know one more year, at least one more year. I mean, these guys are really young now. So, um, you know, I want to see what he does next year and see if we can build on that. Yeah, we'll see. I guess we'll see this offseason how much Brad had an impact in picking him last year or if Danny had most of the say there um, by if he's moved or not and, you know, what role his, he's going to be going forward in the franchise. Um, Trey, what'd you think about Naismith? So I gave him a C plus. Um, I thought his hustle was what made him above average. Um, I thought it was unmatched. Um, I thought, you know, he's, he's the only player that made me tweet at, at Ace Hood. Um, if anybody remembers, he has a song called Hustle Hard. And I let him know that nobody hustles harder than Aaron Neesmith. So, so, you know, that was fun to see him out there hustling all season. Um, I do wish he knocked down more threes. Um, he did knock down some, but nowhere near as, as much as I would have liked to see because um, we envisioned him to be a sharpshooter. Um, but just the hustle and the defense that he went out there and showed and the offensive rebounding, like Mark said, um, is the reason why I give him the C plus. And, and then it's like, you know, I, ex I expected that him to be a good player, but at the same time, I'm not, I wasn't sure that he was going to get that role. I wasn't sure that Brad Stevens was going to give it to him necessarily, even without having Hayward. So it was good to see. Um, it was good to see him step up at times. His hustle was definitely needed. Yeah. I mean, he bring, he's another guy that, you know, he gives us an element that, you know, we don't have potentially just a knockdown shooter and, uh, another wing defender, which is great to have when you got guys like 
Tatum and Brown that you want them to focus more of their energy on the offensive end. And you have those guys that could stop other players on the wing. And again, he's another one, another one of the guys with Pritchard that and with Bob Williams that this offseason is very important for him. And that, you know, again, he's used to the now he's he sees what the physicality is. He knows what he needs to work on. And, you know, you guys mentioned his energy on both ends of the court. And, you know, at times I thought he kind of looked like a chicken with his head cut off and how he was just running around there. And it's going to be it's going to be key for him to turn that chaos into controlled chaos. And I think that that's where he'll leave a better. Yeah, I, I thought he was I thought he was fearlessly clumsy at times. <laughs> like, it, it, yeah, it was is. But the hustle, though, the hustle. Yeah, you, yeah you mean, hustle. that's what got him on the court. I'm sure he started showing that in practice. And, you know, Stevens gave him a chance to see if that will translate into the games. And, you know, he did towards the end of the season. He, he gave us a lot of things that we needed. Um, I mean, unless you guys wanted to bring up any of the other guys, Grant, Taco, Romeo. Romeo. We got we to gotta talk about Romeo. Uh, I want to just – I'll say real quick about Romeo. Incomplete, obviously, during the season, but – he left a lot. He had a really great game five. Um, and that kind of, you know, hopefully at the springboard for the offseason for him and that, you know, he ended the year healthy. He's going to be able to finally work on his game and not rehab an injury. And, you know, this guy was the number two ranked player going into college out of his, you know, high school season. So hopefully we'll be able to see some flashes of him, not only on the defensive end, which is, you know, how he's kind of, been known to get his minutes, but also on the offensive end, which we've seen an improved showing in the Brooklyn series where he was able to knock down some threes. He was slashing to the hoop. He's athletic enough to dunk and, you know, get boards and be disruptive on not only on defense, but also on offense. So um, I'm looking forward to what Romeo's hopefully going to bring if he's going to be back next year. Yeah. Incomplete on Romeo, but saw enough right at the end of the season to be hopeful for really the first time since they drafted him. So uh, we'll see what the summer holds for him and uh, what we can get from him early in the season. But uh, yeah, uh, incomplete, but I think a positive incomplete more so than what we thought it was going to be even a month ago when we just thought, you know, we've had this guy for a few years and don't know anything about him still. Um, We're better than we were then because we saw a little something out of him in a big game. Yeah, I'm just going to I'm going to give him a C for his playoff performance. Um I thought his defense was pretty good. Um his stance on defense reminds me of Avery Bradley's. Um he's a you know just a taller Avery Bradley. Um hopefully he can live up to that expectation that I have for him. But just given the eye test, his defense looks pretty good. Um and that's what I'm holding him to going forward is being a 3 and D wing player. Um, you know, knock down some corner threes. I'm looking for him to to play make a little bit more. Um, but just overall, played a couple regular season games. He missed most of the season, um, but he played. He did play some games, and then nice showing in the playoffs. I'll just I'll give him a C. Yeah. So, I mean, other than. You know, maybe Jabari Parker is going to be on the team next year. I mean, I think we all know what Jabari is going to bring to the table. And then it's not going to be on the defensive end. So um, the rest of the guys, I, I wouldn't be upset if they weren't on the roster next year. So, I mean, unless you guys want to touch base on any of them, I feel like we can move on to Stevens. 
Yeah, C plus, C plus for Jabari, and I say that because he knows what he can do. He can get into the post. Uh, I don't think that he tries to overdo anything except for when he shoots threes. I don't really like when he shoots threes, but I gave him a C plus because I thought he came in and hustled at times and gave us sparks. Yeah, I mean, Jabari's a, a nice piece off the bench. Didn't play a ton in the regular season for us. Played pretty well in the playoffs when he got his chance. So incomplete. Uh, but again, hopeful that he's on the team next year because I think he can be a positive contributor. And then Grant Williams. Grant Williams. I mean, Grant Williams gets a G for get the fuck off. My team. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you guys can't skip over, you know, the possible F that you could have given out. Um, I would give him. I would give him a solid. A solid, I want to say C. Um, I knew exactly what this was going to become. Uh, you know, Grant was our third best big in the playoffs for whatever reason. He's not um, a big, he's 6'5. <laughs> <laughs> that is the hill I will die on. And he's just like coming shorter the- than Jerry Stackhouse. Coming into the series, it was supposed to be DeAndre Jordan, which didn't even play. Um, you know, Blake Griffin. And you figured the Celtics were going to match that with Tristan Thompson, Time Lord, and throw Grant Williams in there at Blake Griffin at times. And at times, I felt like he did a little something here or there. Um, but for the most part, he he underperformed during the season and everything. So 10 years from now, Grant Williams is going to be that first round pick that they took who gave them nothing but uh, got that hilarious technical foul for giving Boogie Cousins a thumbs up after hitting the three when they were beating the Lakers by like 60. <laughs> and at, the, at that point, I'm going to love Grant Williams because that's a hell of a memory to carry. Yeah, in about 10 years, Grant Williams will be your local pro at the Boys and Girls Club. Um, <laughs> no so, doubt doing some good work. Yeah, I'm sure he does. He seems like a, you know, he does a pretty good off the court stuff and he's always available for that stuff. So good for you, Grant. Um, let's go with uh, Brad Stevens. And I think this was another tough year for Brad. I mean, last year, you know, it was it was tough for everyone. And actually, I thought he did a pretty good job coaching that team in the playoffs um, to even get that far. And this year, it was just an up and down season. I don't know if it was because of so many different starting lineups, so many different people in and out of the rotation. Just I don't think that our team played as good as they could have. And you got to throw some blame on that to the coach um, to put it, even though with all the injuries, it's still your job to put it all together. It's not like we were a team with plenty of cap space. We had, we were tied up against the cap. So, you know, we're paying guys supposedly good amount of money to, to do things out there. And when you're Stevens and an NBA coach, you know, you gotta, you gotta make that talent work. And he made it work with lesser teams than the one we had this year in the past. So, I give Stevens about a C plus for the year. Um, I think if he was up to like a B plus that we would have been like a four or five seed this year. Um, but unfortunately he wasn't. And now he's the president. So you could call it a firing. You could call it a promotion, call it whatever you want. Um, but I call it an average season for Brad Stevens. Um, Trey, what'd you think about our Brad Stevens as coach? this year uh well I, I thought that the roster that was put together and given to brad stevens um 
wasn't the best roster. Um, so that kind of skews the grade that I give him for the season. You weren't uh, a fan of Jeff Teague <laughs> to start the season? <laughs> oh. oh, man. So it's like, you know, what he was given counts. Um, at the same time, I didn't like rotations at certain points. You know, there's always the wonder of why we're seeing Carson Edwards out there as opposed to like another guy or whatever the case may be. There's little things to nitpick at with with Brad, but you know, overall, I give him at least a C, C plus. Um, I think if he had a better roster from day one, um, you know, if he wasn't down Gordon Hayward, if he had Evan Fournier from the start of the season, maybe we could have won a couple more games. So there's just too many what ifs to like completely blame Brad. I feel like I have to give him a C plus, and that's you know, a worse grade than he would have gotten last season. So, yeah, I mean, I don't blame Brad for what happened, but he wasn't a reason for the positives either. He didn't elevate the team. Solid C. He had his issues this year. It's not really his fault. He really didn't seem to fit. It seemed like maybe his message was lost. The team just, no matter what he did, they wouldn't give themselves that kick in the ass to you know, start running up and down the court the whole game or uh, start you know playing a little playing harder. They had these games where they laid absolute eggs, some of them on national TV and a lot of them against Detroit. Like the, those games just shouldn't happen really ever, especially in a short season where the games mean so much more. And he wasn't able to motivate these guys. His message just seemed to be lost and it just seemed like, oil and water it just didn't mix at all with these guys so uh, that's why i'm on board with them getting a coach who's completely different someone who's not going to take any bullshit someone who's not going to be a player's coach because that's what brad was and it worked for the for most of his time here it didn't work this year and it didn't work with these guys yeah and 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 i kind of you know a little bit on a little bit we go a little bit more on this is that i think it's kind of interesting that the only player that's been here the whole time pretty much has been Marcus Smart and did the message just start not resonating with him and he started to kind of tune him out and once the heart and soul tunes you out you pretty much lost the team um it's it's kind of hard to be a you come in as a mouse it's kind of hard to you know have to turn into a lion just every now and then because no one's gonna no one's gonna believe you they're gonna be like oh well this dude's lying this dude's yelling like the hell is this about like I'm not going to, these are pros. Like you have to find ways to motivate them. And, you know, he did a great job for most of his time here. And it's about, you know, what is it? It was his eighth year here. And, you know, after eight years, you know, even though there's only one player on the team, that message still stays the same. And nothing really seemed to change as far as, you know, the, the energy level of the team throughout the season. And that's partially on, you know, no fans in the crowd. Sure. But still, the other team was motivated to beat you half the time of the year. Right. So um, I, I agree with your sentiment on the C. Um, Trey. I think it's nice to know when people know when they're not wanted at places. And I think Brad was like really good at taking the hint that without anyone having to really spell it out, mm-hmm. it was time. that nobody would like be so opposed and like pissed off if he was no longer the coach. Mm-hmm. And so to move up and pr- get a promotion, it's a win for Brad. Right. Yeah. Um, moving on to Brad, 
to, you know, the guy who just retired a week ago. Um, Danny Ainge. Retired. <laughs> the new GM of the Utah Jazz by July 1st. No, um, <laughs> I think I think Danny, he got a he got a tough break with the Hayward situation of all the misinformation that was going on before the season and how, you know, it was up to Indiana. All Danny had to do was agree to Indiana's package and that Danny, that Hayward was going to just agree to a sign and trade. Even if he had a bigger offer from Charlotte, like, I think that was ridiculous for people to assume. Um, I think he did a pretty good job getting Fournier at the time he did because he was again, that perfect, third fourth option for us that we needed throughout this whole season and just unfortunately right after the right after the trade Fournier got hurt I mean Fournier Fournier caught COVID and Jalen's out for the season Kemba was still managing the time his um his knee with sitting out the back-to-backs just you know kind of harking back to the my beginning statement about the team just it didn't they didn't get healthy all season so can you blame the GM for that? I, I guess because you got all these guys that got hurt on your team. So, and the Tristan Thompson signing, I think, was they could have did a lot better than that for the mid-level deal. So, I'll give Danny about a C again for the year. Just, you know, we needed more and we didn't get it. Um, Mark, what'd you think about Mr. Range? He had a tough year. Yep. And if it came out, six months from now or a year from now that he was forced out. I would not be surprised after this season. Yep. Um, wasn't too long ago. And I don't want to really dwell on this, but it wasn't too long ago when this team was loaded with assets and yep. they controlled the future of the entire NBA. Yep. And this is what you have to show for it. That is a failure period. You got a roster that is top heavy. You got a couple of great guys. Like you really hit on the Tatum pick. That was a, you know, a brilliant move at the time, mm-hmm. trading the number one pick. And Markel Fultz was the, you know, undisputed number one in that draft. Going into that draft, yeah. they identified Tatum as their guy, and they got him, and he was the best player in that draft. They identified Jalen Brown as the best player in that draft, or the player that they wanted most anyway. Um, yeah. Maybe they would have gone with one of the others if they, if the ping pong balls had gone their direction. But they got the guy who was arguably the best player in that draft, and. Um, it just really comes down to preference, but the guy who's best for them, I think is the guy they got. So those really worked out, but you have a roster that's filled with Grant Williams, semi Ojale. You're really dependent on Aaron Neesmith and it didn't work out this year. Um, Tristan Thompson, Jeff Teague. um, You're still using a roster spot on Carson Edwards. You like Javante green who I like, but is not going to contribute right now in the NBA. And, you know, he's an older guy too. So, uh, just a lot of dead spots on this roster. Um, Taco Fall and Tremont Waters don't count because they were two-way deals. Yep. But the rest of those guys down the second half of that bench and guys that they were depending on, like Teague and um, you know Tristan Thompson, and they just didn't pan out. And it's like every move that he made building this team at the start of the season was a mess. Yep. Um, save from bringing guys back from last year, and you know those guys for the most part, played pretty well. He did a great job at the deadline getting Fournier. Um, he got them under the tax by getting rid of Tice on a season that I thought was a lost season. So you get under the tax, you don't become a repeat offender. Like there's definitely a benefit to that. Yep. So I thought he did a good job at the trade deadline. And I thought he did a good job with the Hayward thing because Hayward wasn't coming back no matter what they did. He didn't want to be here and they weren't going to be able to pay him what he right. was getting elsewhere. Right. Even if he 
blew the indie deal. The return that they got is better than what they would have got from Indy because right. they used that TPE to or part of it to get Evan Fournier. And then there's still maybe more to come if they're able to make it work with $11 million left on that TPE. Yeah. So, you know, I got him around a D because he just built a shitty roster this year. Yeah. But he definitely deserves credit for those couple of good moves that he made too. Uh, but there's just a lot of misses here. And some of it's stuff that's been snowballing. Um, you know, draft picks that didn't necessarily pan out. Langford's been a couple of years in, didn't work out and didn't work out so far, but we're hopeful. Grant Williams didn't work out. Um, Carson Edwards is not an NBA player. Um, it's just, it's kind of a tough spot that they're left in right now. Yeah. Um, Danny didn't leave a, a clean situation for Brad to take over for. It's going to be a pretty big off season for, you know, not only Brad Stevens, but obviously for the Boston Celtics franchise as a whole, because, you know, we could go in so many different directions as far as how our roster is going to look next year and, and years to come. Um, so we did the season recaps. It's kind of about that time where we give a little. Wait, 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 wait. Oh, we got someone else. Hold on. Who do we forget? So, you know, I'll, I'll give Danny. I guess I'll give him a C. I want to get I want to give him a D plus. But okay. the fact that he, you know, at the trade deadline, he added Evan Fournier and he did dodge the luxury tax, I think puts him back at an average grade of a C. Um, you know, but the addition of Jeff Teague and Tristan Thompson, those signings were supposed to be like average signings. Um, you know, as far as Tristan Thompson, you get you sign him to a two year deal. It's still a tradable contract going forward. So we'll see what happens with him and his contract. Um, you know, it could have been a, a good signing after all, if we're able to flip it into something else. Yeah. Uh, and his draft picks, Peyton Pritchard, I thought was, you know, I gave him a solid B, B minus. Um, then Neesmith was solid. Uh, so I thought that that bumped him up just a little bit. So I'll give him a C. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, Danny's, you know, logic for this offseason coming into it to kind of defend him a little bit was that, you know, we lost Wanamaker, so we needed, you know, we won't, we, we weren't comfortable with our backup point guard situation. So, you know, you sign a vet like Teague and, you know, you're hoping he he gave you what a, what a veteran would do. And unfortunately, he didn't do that here. And as of right now, I think he's backing up from Milwaukee where they're getting they're getting wiped right now. So he's not really playing too well over there either and with Thompson the signing I mean I can't think of right now who was available for the mid-level last year but I know I know if you looked at last year's team you wouldn't if you say all right let's bring in a Tristan Thompson sure like we could have definitely used a high energy big man last year Um, he was a downgrade for Minas Cantor though offensively yeah defensively I think he's he's I mean, there's not too many guys that are worse than Cantor defensively. No, so. to me, the whole point was we were going to have $9 million to spend. Yeah. Uh, that was going to become a trade chip at some point. Yeah. Just thinking about in the past, you know, just to kind of make contracts work, you would have to add in Tice and Cantor making about $5 million each, you know, just to get where you're going to be at for Tristan Thompson. So going forward, I think he's a, he's a, Decent trade chip, depending on what Brad can do. Uh, yeah. 
so um yeah the will i hopefully we could turn him into something um better than what he was first this year so the common theme i'm 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 seeing for our recaps for not only the roster but also the front office is that you know it pretty much mirrored the Celtics season they're a 500 team on the season and you know everyone pretty much got an average grade so i wanted to end this pod kind of with us giving a quick you know what what they call a hot take of what we feel the off season is going to hold for us and I'll, I'll start real quick real quick my um my hot take was gonna be that norman powell finds a way to be on the boston celtics next year but i'm kind of going to switch that to say that we're going to swing a trade with the portland trailblazers for someone that's not named dame lillard it's either going to be cj mccollum could be norman powell in a sign and trade enos could Cantor. be could be robert covington i'm sure Cantor would love to come back um i know Nurkic. i know with and yeah i'm sure Nurkic could be available too yeah, just what um, the Celtics need another injured center. They, as long as him and Williams are injured at different <laughs> times, it would work out great. So I think Portland is similar, is, you know, not really similar to us, but that they have the one generational player on their team. They got a new coach coming in and, you know, they've been, they've been using the same, the same recipe for their stew for the past couple of years and stew still tastes bitter. So you might want to change the ingredients up a little bit. Shit, shit stew? Shit stew still. I wouldn't call it shit stew, but they're in purgatory. Yeah, then that's the worst place to be in professional sports. Um, so that's that's my hot take. We make a trade with Portland for someone other than Lillard. Um, Mark, what you got as your hot take? All right. So I think the Celtics are in purgatory too. Mm. I think they're very similar to the Blazers. I think that's something that I haven't really thought of until right now when mm-hmm. you said it, but it really just kind of rings true. Like they're not good enough. They're kind of stuck. They got some high-end talent. I think that it is going to take multiple years for them to fix this. Mm. A lot of people seem to think that, well, we got the two young studs. We got Marcus Smart, the backbone of the team. We got Kemba, who was an all-star. Hopefully he comes back healthy. Just add a few tweaks, and they're right back there. They're contenders again. I don't see it. There's so much dead weight on this team. There's so many what-ifs, and they don't have many trade ships where they're able to make a move and get a star in here. Bradley Beal ain't happening. You know, Dame Lillard ain't happening. They don't have the pieces to do it unless they trade Brown or Tatum. You are absolutely not trading Tatum for just about anyone in the league. And Jalen Brown is someone who like, it would have to be an absolutely perfect offer where you know that you're going to get better immediately when you make that move. And those are few and far between as well. So assume those two guys are here. It's going to take them a while to build this up to the point where they're competitive Competitive might be the wrong word. They're a competitive team, but contending team. They're not contending for a title for a couple of years at least. And it's going to get to the point where the two extensions for Brown and Tatum, we're going to see the clock start to tick. And we're, I'm not saying we're going to lose them, but we're going to start to get nervous because we're going to be treading water for a couple of years, maybe get up to the four seed, maybe sneak into an Eastern Conference Finals, maybe be a Pearson Antoine thing, maybe be the Celtics from the last couple of years where they got into the Eastern Conference Finals, but we're not winning a championship. And we're going to see that clock ticking and we're going to get nervous. Yeah. Um, I, you know, that's, that's, I don't even think that's a hot take. That's a, that could be a realistic situation. Um, Trey, what you got? Uh, I'm going to go with something that's kind of on the opposite of that. 
And I'm going to go with Brad Stevens um, at some point in the future, maybe a year from now or so, uh, makes a blockbuster deal. We're going to call him Blockbuster Brad. Nice. <laughs> he, went from, he went from Trader Danny, and now we're going to be at Blockbuster Brad. I think he's going to turn the Kemba Walker contract somehow, some way into a more productive uh, player, a better fit with the Jays. Um, hopefully it's a shoot for your shoot for the stars type of move. And it, it is like a Bradley Beal, but I think whatever it is, he's going to make it respectable and he's going to make the roster better. Um, I think I'm hoping he pulls off a blockbuster so we can call him blockbuster, Brad blockbuster, Brad. So does that mean that he's going to disappear in a few years and we're going to go to Netflix? Oh man. I, I hope not. I, I hope Brad's here for, a long time as president and this I do too. I'm curious though, because he's never done this before. So it's gonna be like if he was great at it, would you be surprised? No. If he was terrible at it, would you be surprised? No, because no, he hasn't no. done it yet. So we don't yeah. know. But my thing is when you're negotiating trades and you're talking up your players and why you don't want to include them in, and you're saying, you know, you know, Peyton Pritchard, he does this really well, and I don't think he should be included in the deal. I feel like you'd you'd want to hear that from Brad Stevens more than you want to hear it from Danny Ainge. And you feel like Danny Ainge is maybe he's trying to, you know, just hold on to what he has. And so it might have a different approach. Now, if you're in a GM trading with the Celtics, you might feel a little different. It's going to be easier for the Celtics to make a trade because Danny had that reputation, whether it was deserved or not among the league executives that, he is not going to make a trade unless he absolutely burns you on the trade. And teams were hesitant to trade with him. Brad doesn't have that. So who knows? Teams might try to take advantage. Brad, being as smart as we all know he is, may be able to turn that around and, and use that to his advantage. So it's going to be an interesting dynamic when we're talking about trades with Brad for sure, especially the, you know those first couple, uh, whenever they may be. Um, but it's it's definitely a different look because there were times where it just kind of felt like the Celtics wanted to do something and either you know, the running joke is like Ainge didn't want to give that extra second round pick in 2027. Um, <laughs> but you know, maybe he was tight with his assets. Maybe um, teams were just hesitant because they saw what happened in a few other trades, whether it was, you know, the Garnett trade or uh, whether it was you know, the famous Brooklyn trade or uh, any of these other deals, getting Isaiah for you know, next to nothing and him becoming a star here. Uh, Brad always seemed to get the upper hand. And I think that made some other GMs nervous and that's gone now. So it's going to give them the ability to maybe make some moves that wouldn't be there. Even if Danny was in there doing the same exact thing. Yeah. And I think Brad brings a unique perspective into his president role, at least for the first couple of years in that he's coached these guys. He knows what they can bring on the court. Um, He knows if there's a future for them here. The only tough part is kind of seeing how they'll translate to a new coach. Um, if their system is totally different than what, what Brad was running. Um, so that's going to be, you know, I'm going to be curious to see who we hire and how they run their offense. And if that, you know, takes into account with Brad of if he should trade a guy or not. Um, so something's got a really, really, really important offseason coming ahead of us and that could shape our future for years. And like Mark said, it might take, it might take a couple to fix this mess, but, you know, it could also be, Next year, we, we could be, there's a chance we could still somehow figure it out and get some players that could play with Brown and Tatum, you know, maybe some guys demand out and we're the beneficiaries of it. Who knows? NBA is crazy. Every week changes. Right. So. You got to believe in Brad, man. 
believe, I believe in, in Brad. I don't believe in the pieces that he has aside from the ones that he's keeping, like to get these stars. Even if Brad Beal said tomorrow, I'm never playing for Washington again and pull the Julio Jones and quit on his team. Like he doesn't have the pieces to get him. So it doesn't really matter. Like I disagree. You don't have a package you can put together aside from Jalen Brown. That is going to get you Bradley Beal. So you, you just said if he said he'd only want to play in Boston. Oh, well, at that point, you tell him to go pound sanding and get the best deal for you because he's under contract. Yeah, and I think that that could be what happens when it's all said and done with Bradley Beal. If you're Bradley Beal, why do you say you only want to play in Boston? Because they won one title in the last 35 years? Well, where else does he want to play is the question that you have to ask him. A place that's a better in a better position to win. And what is that team going to give up? To get him, I mean, depends on what they you have. Don't want to be, you don't want to be in a Kamar, Carmelo Anthony situation where no, you're giving up a Danilo Gallinari when he should perhaps be playing with you. You know, you don't want to give up too much to to go to a team and you know suck anyways. So, well, who knows? We don't know what the next super team is going to be. There might be some team that we're not even thinking of right now. Who's going to come across one guy, have a young guy, and then you know, be able to go get a Beal and then suddenly you're, you're loaded up. Like that's the way the league works now. Cause in basketball, you only need a small handful of guys to make that jump. Um, you know, there could be teams that have some pieces that have draft picks that have young players that can go ahead and make a run and get one or two guys. Strictly on the relationship with Jason Tatum. It's I a plus. It's definitely a plus. Should have the upper hand when it comes to Bradley Beal. Yeah. That's he, he could fair. want to come here. I think any player who says I only want to go to this one team is kind of crazy because that's really, you know, that's potentially hurting himself too. Unless it's a free agency uh, type of situation where he's able to just get up and go. But if he says, I only want to go here, like, I mean, the team doesn't have to oblige you're under contract. There's that. And then there's the element of teams taking their best players out of the deal. So if, if all teams take their top two best players out of the deal, for example, Philly takes Simmons and Embiid out of the deal, what package could you realistically get for Bradley Beal considering he's not a definite to re-sign with you? Well, then you, you just wait it out. Yeah, you- Some team team's going to want him. Like if, if two teams want him, they're going to start bidding against each other. And there's going to be more than two teams that want Brad Beal. Yeah, I think um, I think, I think he'll get what he wants. <laughs> I mean, the players usually do, but yeah. it's not as, as easy as saying, I want to go here, and then tomorrow he's here, even though the, they don't have anything to give. You know, because so far he's done things in a respectful manner. He hasn't stepped on anyone's toes. So I think at the end of the day, he'll end up getting whatever he wants. Yeah, I mean, I think I smell a... Send him to Houston. <laughs> I think I smell a future pod with us discussing some offseason options for the Seas. And getting into a little more detail as far as what we could potentially give up and what that team could potentially be looking for for that player. But um, that brings us to the end to the end of this episode of the Section Five podcast. Celtic season was average. Hope the pod was a little bit above average today. <laughs> if you stuck with us for this long to go through our our um, recaps and hot takes. Um, on that note, for Mark, for Trey, I'm Adam. See y'all next time. Let's go seize. See ya. Go seize and take Grant with you. <laughs> oh.